0: And so today, I begin a study on Daniel. Now, we're not going to do a book study. I'm just basically going to do a character study and what uh, God uh, did through Daniel and how that can relate to our life. So if you have your copy of God's Word, we're going to be in Daniel uh, chapter 1. And if you don't have your copy of God's Word, uh, you can actually pull it up on your, you know, on your phone. You can also look on the screen because we have those um, as well. So Daniel, I would say his life uh, best reflects um, a conviction and a culture of compromise. He lived a life of conviction and a culture of compromise. And conviction of, uh, uh, is basically saying, I really feel strongly that I should be doing something right in this situation. I need to be doing something right. I have conviction to do something right and holy and righteousness. And so, Daniel, in the midst of everything that's going on, you're going to see in just a second, everything that's going on in his life, he, outside of Jesus, it's my opinion, outside of Jesus, there's no other character in God's word that showed Conviction and a culture of compromise. And so we're going to uh, we're going to look at that. Before we do that, let's let's ask, um, let's answer this question: who is Daniel? Who is Daniel? Well, Daniel starts off in in Daniel chapter one. Many biblical scholars believe that Daniel was about age 14 or age 15. So he's about to be a freshman in high school. All right. Going into the ninth grade, that's about what Daniel is at, at this time that we're gonna be uh, talking about in chapter one. And so Daniel lived in the southern kingdom of the nation of Israel. He had Israel, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom, he had Judah, and in Judah he had Jerusalem, and so he was in the city um, of Jerusalem. And so what had happened is that, uh, that Judah, just like Israel, had spent quite a few years in idolatry. In other words, they're like, God, I know you're part of the Red Sea, I know you did all these things, and you did all these powerful signs and wonders, but we're going to just forget about you. We're going to worship this man-made wooden idol, and we're going to give it a name, and we're going to just worship this. We're going to depend on this, and God's like, are you kidding me? That's nowhere in scripture you won't find God saying that, but if I was in God's shoes, that's what I would be saying, and so Daniel, uh, in, in, in this book, we find that that King Nebuchadnezzar, who was king over the Babylonian Empire, which is north, way far north and present day around Iraq, they came down by God. God sent them to come to Israel and, um, and capture the city, capture the, the country, and move them over to uh, the people over to, the, uh, to Babylon. He then uh, went to um, Judah and captured that, that country and surrounded Jerusalem. And he surrounded Jerusalem in a way that for for two years, this army was surrounding Jerusalem. So nothing can go go in, nothing can go out. So they basically starved the city. And so they, they took captive. And again, all of this is because of the idolatry that God's chosen people chose to do. And so God sent Nebuchadnezzar, and captured the city and took the best and the brightest and, and many, many people to Babylon. Well, Daniel and, and several other young teenage boys were a part of that group. And so Daniel was in Jerusalem and he was uh, exiled to, um, to Babylon. Well, what you're going to learn in Babylon, Babylon was not a God-fearing Nation. It wasn't a, a, a country of God's chosen people. They had their own issues. They had idolatry. They had lots of bad things that they, they were doing. And so Daniel and his friends and everyone else, was going, they were going to a country of heathens and a country that didn't believe in the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. And so what... What we find in this story is that they're going to this country where there's lots of compromise. What what is compromise? Compromise is, is where you take the truth and you distort it or you bend it or you make it fit your situation. And so a culture like in Babylon that is constantly compromising truth and integrity and righteousness, or is even, not even any righteousness or holiness in that in that um, kingdom, and so Daniel is now going there. So how does Daniel, a young teenage boy, how does he live in that culture where there's lots of compromise? You know, do you ever feel like that we're in a that we're in a culture of compromise? Don't you see it? You see it all the time. You see it in, in, in media, whether it be on your phone or, or TV or, or whatever. And, and you see compromise from time and time again. It, it, you see it in certain generations that come up. And you say, why, why, why did they feel like they can do this when it's really against what God's word says? Well, they're compromising. So we live in a culture that is compromising much like Babylon, so we are sort of in similar shoes what Daniel was in, except that Daniel, he was a prisoner. He was a prisoner, and, uh, and he was brought to, um, uh, you know, to the, uh, the Babylonian Empire. And, but during this time, he had, and the Bible says this, we'll read it, he had resolved resolve not to defile his body not to defile his spirit, not to defile who he was in God. He had resolve. What is resolve? Resolve, the definition of resolve, and means firm determination or commitment. Firm determination or commitment. It's like, I'm going to do this. You know, the, the there's many times in my life, I kind of had resolve uh, to do certain things. Probably in... One of the most recent ones is when our family and I, while I was on sabbatical, we, we had the great opportunity to, uh, to go to Colorado Springs. And uh, while we were there, we were able to do a lot of hiking and, and it's such a beautiful place. And, and you know, anywhere you, you're at in Colorado Springs, you can pretty much see Pikes Peak. Well, Pikes Peak is this huge mountain and at the top it had snow up there and it's just awesome. And even during the summer, uh, here at the beginning of June, uh, and uh, back when we were, we were there, uh, snow was on the mountains. But there's a way that you can climb up to that part. But there's also a road, so we chose the road um, to go to Pikes Peak. And so we drove up Pikes Peak, and it was really really cool. Uh, but it was just a, a, a two lane, you know, road. One traffic going up, one traffic going down, and um, and it was starting to be. I mean, it was really beautiful. And so we're starting to see the scenes and. And, and as we were climbing up this, this mountain and, and zigzagging around, I noticed that the road started getting, getting curvier. And, and the curves were, were not just 90 degrees, I mean, they were like 180 degrees and all the way around. And then I noticed that it began to snow. And then I noticed that along the sides of the mountain, there's these huge cliffs of just snow. And I'm like, this could just fall on our car. And then I noticed that there were no guardrails. No guardrails on this mountain road. And sometimes this road would be, would be closed while we were in Colorado Springs. But that particular day, we found out it was open. So, hey, let's go. I know why they close it. And so we're driving on the edge, and cars are coming back down, and we're going up. And while I'm trying to make room for them to go down and for us to go up and make the curve with snow and avalanche-looking cliffs, there's no guardrail. I've got my whole family in the car. And it's in this road, it seems like it lasts forever. It's like an, over an hour to get there to the top. And, and I'm thinking, maybe I should turn around. Maybe I should turn around but then I was like I'll never hear the end of it I'll never hear the end of it so I just had to grip my hands on that steering wheel and and do my best to protect my family and just say I am resolved to go to the top I am determined to go to the top and that we did and while we're up there it was it was a blizzard. I mean, it was lots of snow, and uh, it was awesome. And so the kids, and, and Susanna and I got to see uh, just some great things, we got to experience that, but we never would have done that if we not would have had resolve. So if you want to get to to your Pike's peak in your life that God has called you to go, then it's gonna take resolve. And that's what Daniel had. Daniel had resolve. And so the the... The resolve that he had is all about the resolve of purity. That's what we're going to focus on today. The resolve of purity in his life. Because again, he's in a culture of compromise. And he is going to do everything he can at the age of 14 or 15 to have a resolve of purity. Even in the midst of, of training and this indoctrination that happened there in, uh, in Babylon. Because, see, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, ordered the, um, the court official to uh, take uh, all of these, these boys, these, these young men in this age group, and take them and, and begin training them and indoctrinating them on what it means to be a Babylonian. But they are Hebrew, they are Jews. And So um, we're going to look here in, in chapter 1 of Daniel, verse 4 and 5. Uh, this is basically what um, the description of what they did. They, they chose young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food... And wine from the king's table. They would be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. And and, and a few verses after that, it, it starts off by saying, Daniel was resolved not to defile himself. Daniel was resolved not to defile himself. Daniel had resolve of purity. He was determined to keep purity in his life. Even in those three years of of training and indoctrination. And, you know, this passage says that the the Babylonians gave these guys, all these guys, new names. They gave them new names, probably new clothes, Babylonian kind of looking clothes, um, gave them a a different kind of food. They gave them literature to talk about the, the culture They were basically changing their identity. Now, this is important. This is going to speak to you today. I believe it. They were trying to change the identity of those Hebrew boys. But Daniel would not have it. Daniel did not have it. How did Daniel respond? Daniel responded by having resolve not to defile himself. So what Daniel did, as we get on, you'll see this, he understood that his identity was not in the Babylonians. His identity was in God, the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Daniel was a Hebrew. Daniel had a history. He had a culture. And so Daniel did everything he could to keep his identity pure, to keep his identity pure, even in the midst of this indoctrination, this, this three uh, years of that. And what's amazing, okay, put yourself in Daniel's shoes. Daniel, at, at the age he, he, that he is, we have no record of what happened to his parents. Most likely, you could probably assume that his, that his parents were probably killed in, in the capture. So he's probably lost his family. He's lost his home. He's lost his culture. He, he, he's lost so much. He can't worship in the temple. He probably had high aspirations. When we take the next few weeks and look at Daniel, you'll understand if Daniel stayed there in, in Jerusalem, he would be one of the main leaders in Jerusalem. He had such high aspirations, but he lost everything. And even in the midst of losing everything, he did not give up. He had resolution. He resolved to not defile himself. How can that speak to us? How can that speak to us? When you feel like things have been taken away from you, when you want to have a a pity party, when you when you want to um, sort of play the, the person who's been, who's been hurt, when you want to play that card, it's easy to feel sorry for yourself and then just live a life of whatever. And so Daniel, what we can learn from that and be inspired by that is that it doesn't matter what happens, Daniel did not defile himself. So the way that can the way that can speak to us is that you, if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, if you have accepted Jesus, you are bought with the blood of Christ. You are part of the big C church. Come, Lord Jesus, come. He's coming back for you. He's coming back for, the, for his bride. You have a, a mansion in heaven right now that's being worked on. So you belong to Jesus. You belong to God. That is your identity. In this world, in this world, when there's compromise, in this world where where it's hard to remain steadfast in your faith because of this world compromising all around you, loved ones compromising, uh, spouses compromising, Whatever is happening, it's so easy for you to slip up and make mistakes and have a a life of shame and walk around with that. And that shame overtakes your name, and and you're not known by who God really wants you to be. You sort of lost your identity. What I'm telling you right now, just like Daniel felt like he lost his identity, he did not give up, and he kept his identity pure, pure. My word to you today, God's word to you today, is that it doesn't matter what has happened in your life, if you are a believer in Christ, that is your identity. That is your identity. So keep that identity pure. Keep that identity pure. Even if it takes looking in a mirror, even if it takes looking in a mirror and saying, all right, I am a child of God. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Whatever that takes, keep your identity pure. Yeah, I can even take this a little further. If you're if if you're a single mom trying to trying to raise kids and 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 you're you're wondering if you're you're concerned if your kids are, are going to end up right without a sort of a father figure in your house and wonder if, if this is all going to work out and and just, you feel like you're at, you're at your dead end. And it's like, what, what do I do with this? How do, how, do I, how do I raise my kids in this situation? Let me tell you something, single mom. God has called you to be a mom. God has called you to love children, your children. God has called you to provide for your children. God has called you. And God has given you those kids. You are a great mom. Yeah, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to lose it. You're going to flip your lid. You're going to yell at your kids. I, we, we get that. We got six of them, okay? Sometimes either Suzanne and I need to leave the house. I'm just leaving right now, and I'm going away, you know. But listen, single mom, and if you know a single mom, tell them this. You're a great mom. That's your identity. Don't let your situation change that identity. Don't let that situation change that identity. Husband, if you're a husband in here, if you, and, and maybe a father, and you're, you're trying to raise kids, and, and you're, there's lots of pressure, I get it, there's lots of pressure to provide and to, and to guide and to nourish and, and to uplift. There's lots of pressure on that, and, and you're gonna mess up. You're going to mess up, guys. But we are not defined by our mess-ups. We are defined by Jesus. We are defined by Jesus. So get with Jesus. Spend time with him. Get to know your identity. We'll see that in, um, in, as we move on through this character of Daniel. So the, the thing we have to do is, the thing I want to encourage you to do is to protect the purity of your identity. Protect the purity of your identity, especially if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, if you're giving your life and your heart to Christ, do everything you can to protect the purity of your identity and that will help you to live in a culture that is always being compromised. Not only did Daniel resolve to keep his Jewish identity pure, he also resolved to keep his choices pure. This allowed him to live with convictions in a culture of compromise. We're gonna we're gonna uh, see this in um, in verse eight here in chapter one, where the um, they were given meat that was um, leftover meat from that was sacri- uh, part of a, an animal that was sacrificed to their idols to their to their fake gods there in Babylon, and they were given this this meat and see what Daniel's response is. Verse 8, but Daniel resolved, there's the word or key word, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age. The king would then have my head because of you. So Daniel resolved not to fill his stomach with food that was impure, food that had already been sacrificed to idols, idol worship. So Daniel... So again, put yourself in Daniel's shoes. Two years he was in Jerusalem, two years while the Babylonian army was surrounding Jerusalem. What did they do? They starved the city. That's what they did. They, they besieged the city. They starved it to, to where when they finally got a chance to, to attack the city and, and, and go over the walls with the ramps they were building, the people were tired. The people were hungry, and they didn't have energy to fight. It's it's brilliant. It's a great strategy. But Daniel, for two years, he was hungry. Now, he, he was able to eat something, maybe a little bread here and there, but Daniel was hungry for two years. Again, he's lost everything. He's traveled many miles to get to Babylon, and then what do they do? They place a juicy steak in front of him they say all right, it's your food now what would you do? what would you do? I mean you'd you want to eat the steak I mean if you hadn't had steak in more than two years you you're gonna want it you're gonna eat eat that in that temptation, Even in the midst of that temptation, Daniel said, I am resolved not to defile myself. Let me tell you what, students, kids, adults, everybody in here, you will be, and you have been, I'm sure, but you will be in situations, I have been in situations, we're gonna all be in situations where we are going to be tempted, where it's gonna be like, man, this is really good. I kind of like this. this. This feeds something in me that I really, really like, and I like this feeling. And so you're going to be tempted to do those things when you're weak. Daniel was weak. He was hungry. He was, he was lonely. He was tired. He was all, these, all those things. And when that happens to you and you're weak and temptation comes, What are you going to do? What are we going to do? The inspiration is there. The challenge is there by Daniel, an upcoming ninth grader. The challenge is there to have resolve not to defile yourself. Not to defile yourself. The resolve is there. You will be offered something that will defile you as a child of God. But when that happens, you gotta have confidence. Daniel was not a coward. Daniel had confidence. Did you, did you notice that what he said to that official, to that guard? He he said, rather than just eating it or refusing to eat it, he said, he asked permission. Could I please have something else? Can you imagine? He's been exiled, he's a prisoner. It's like, no. Nah. I don't want that. Kind of something else. Kind of some like chicken, you know, just grilled a little bit. You know, maybe a couple pickles. You know. So imagine that he had the nerve to ask permission for something else and to not eat that. He was confident. He was confident that. That shows how much resolve Daniel had. When you and I have resolve, we're going to do everything we can to do something that's probably going to shock somebody, that's probably going to shock somebody. We're going to do something that is probably going to get people talking. Let me give you some examples. Students, let's say if you're, you're in a school, school's about to start here. I know I said the S word. I'm sorry. But school's about to start here in and, the and, and next few weeks. And, and let's say if you're in a, uh, a situation and you're having to read a book that, is, that goes against every fiber of moral character, biblical moral character, then you have issues with, and you have problems with this. And you're like, I, 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 I just, I don't feel like defiling myself. Be like Daniel. Be like Daniel, ask permission. Notice Daniel said, I don't eat none of that. I'm not gonna eat, he didn't say that. He did not have an attitude. He asked for permission. He probably said please. Students, you're in that situation? Say please, say please. Uh, Men, let's say if you're on a business trip and the boss sends you away with one other person in your company and that person is a female. What are you going to do? You're going to have confidence? You're going to have the nerve to say, um, boss, we need to talk. Could, could I please have somebody else, a, a, a male? Or could you maybe send someone else in my place? Oh, it would mean you wouldn't get the raise. I understand. I got it. Whatever, whatever happens. Could, could I please? Just permission. Situation. We're, we're learning from Daniel. So, so how do you do this? Daniel was a, a master at this. You do this by you, you offer another alternative, as is found in verse 11. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those are, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. okay. And um, in verse 12, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. So those other guys, right? The other food. And treat your servants in accordance with, that, with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. So Daniel... He's showing us what to do to keep keep impurities out of our life, to have resolve to live a life of purity, which is the way we live with conviction in a culture of compromise. The way we do that is we offer an alternative. Could I please have this instead? Offer an alternative. Let's say, students, you're 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 at a house, you're at a friend's house. And, and something, something comes on TV, or they decide to watch something on Netflix, or they pull out a movie, and, and it's something that you know is not good for your eyes. You could stay there and be part of the compromise, be compromised, just lay aside your conviction. Or you could say, hey, guys, could, you, could we please not watch that? Let's watch something else. Let's watch something else. Let's watch a game. You know, surely there's a game. There's always a game on, on TV, ESPN, you know, something. Let's, let's watch something else. And if they refuse, what are you going to do? Maybe walk away. Go to somewhere else. Call mom and dad. Call somebody else. You know, just trying to give you some some real life examples. Okay? Ladies, let's say if you, you have uh, some of your BFFs and, and, and they're starting to talk about you know, negatively about some other people in your life, and, it, and you know it's gossip, and you pick up on it. What are you gonna do? Hey, could we, uh, could we please not talk about it? Or, or here's another alternative just change the subject. Change the subject. Hey, did you see the sale that's happening at whatever? Okay, whatever. You change the subject. Students, you're, you're, you're at school, and you're in the lunchroom. And you got some some people there, some of you are your friends and some of them are not. It doesn't matter. You kind of know them, but but there's people on your table who are, they're using profanity, like big profanity, grown up words. All right, and so they're using profanity. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to you going to sit there and 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 let. It'd be compromising. Can I tell you something? If they know that you're a believer, and by the way, students, your friends should know that you are a believer. And if not, um, you need to connect with Jesus more. Your friends should know that you're a believer. And, and some of these friends and even these, outlo- these people outside of your circle, these other uh, people at your lunch table, they're doing this because they want to see how you respond, because they know that you're one of them, one of the believers, one of those Jesus freaks. And so they're doing that. So what are you going to do? Are you going to compromise? Are you just going to eat your potatoes and your chicken rings, which I don't know how they make those, but whatever. Are you going to sit there and eat your lunch and just ignore it? Or are you going to be bold and have confidence and have another alternative? Say, guys, can we, can we please talk about something else that didn't require cuss words? You want to get some attention? You do that. Yeah. But can I tell you something? There's other kids at your table who's watching you. And they've been watching you. And they're going to see how you respond. When you respond to something like that, you're going to get, you're going to get better attention. Adults, you can use that as well. People, people use profanity at work. So, so what is the, what is the result of, of, of you? What often is the result of you offering an alternative? Uh, you know, saying, hey, can we do something else? In, in verse 15, it says this. It says, at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier. That's Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. He took away all of the food that was gonna defile them. Can I tell you something? Go back to the scenario of people using a potty mouth at lunch table. When you do that, and you do that a few times, and you say, hey, could we not use those words? And you keep doing that a couple of times, pretty soon, those kids they're gonna stop doing that around you. They're gonna take away those things that defile you and those people around you. And you're gonna find that they will, they may use cuss words somewhere else, but when they're around you, they won't use them. Parents, adults, single adults, at work, you're gonna have people, when they, when they ask you, hey, let's, let's go to the bar after work, and if you say no a couple more times, guess what, they're, they're gonna remove that question when they're around you. They're gonna be like, well, that's, that's a dead end. We're not gonna go there. That's most likely what's going to happen. It, it happened to Daniel. They even just removed it. So, so because Daniel kept his Jewish identity pure, We can keep our identity of Christ pure, and because Daniel kept his choices pure, God rewarded him with pure favor, with pure favor. I like to describe pure favor as favor that comes from God, and not just from from just stuff that we do, okay? It's not all about us, but this favor comes from God. And so God showed Daniel favor in verse 18 through 20. And not only Daniel, but his three friends. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, so it's after three years, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them. And he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all of the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. 10 times better than anybody else. Those young men. They were about 18, 19 years old about the time. Ten times better than Babylonians who've been in that service for for a long time. And even ones that were there with with Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know what's interesting about this story is we kind of wrap this up. What's interesting about this story, and I never really thought about this until I was studying this passage for this, uh, this sermon today. There were other boys, young men, who were exiled from Jerusalem. And they came and they went through this three-year program. But four of these, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, four of these young men decided not to defile themselves And even though those other young men, those boys, were were Jews, they were Hebrew boys, God granted favor to four of them. Why? They, They chose not to defile themselves. They had resolve to keep purity in their life, to make pure choices, to keep their identity as God's chosen people pure. So our challenge, my challenge are you. You use this week. You use this this week. Use this this lesson this week and remind yourself, I am a child of God. I will resolve to be identified as a child of God. I'm going to make mistakes, but I am going to be like Daniel. I'm going to keep my identity pure, and I'm going to keep my choices pure. I'm going to offer alternatives. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to have courage to live a life of conviction in a culture of compromise. Then, when you do that, God, I believe, and it even shows us in, in this book, I believe that God will give you favor. And God will set you apart. And as we read, Daniel goes on to, to, to live in this kingdom and be second in command. Why? He's 10 times better than anybody else. Why? Didn't defile himself. So as we close out this day, I want you to think of an area in your life. Think of an area you might want two, or more. But think of one at least that you feel like, man... I've kind of been compromising in that area. Students, listen to me, look at me, students, middle school high school students. Think of an area in your life that that you feel like you may have compromised. you're not gonna I mean you're not gonna write it down. you're not gonna come up here and you know whatever. just in your head. Think about an area in your life that you have compromised. Adults. Think of an area in your life that you have compromised. And now it's time to have resolve to keep purity in your life and not to defile yourself. I want you to make that commitment in just a moment when we pray. And also, if you're here today and you say, well, well, Frank, I've never really accepted Christ as Savior. You mentioned, Frank, that I'm a child of God and yeah, I'm, I believe I'm created by God, but I've never really given Him my heart my life. I've never given Him my sin to take care of. I've never done that. If you have never done that, we want to make sure you have that opportunity right here, right now. So every head bowed, every eye closed. We're about to close this up. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I, I just want you to take a moment. If you have those areas of, 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 of compromise, those areas of compromise in your life, And you you feel like you have lost your identity in Christ because of that. I want you to just have a time with Jesus. Just give that over to Him. Just say something like, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to defile myself anymore. I want to live a life of purity. I want to have a resolve like Daniel. Give me the strength and the courage to make pure choices. And I give this area to you. No longer will I deliberately live a life of compromise in this area.